welcome back to For the Girls. We are beyond excited. This is going to be the most epic race preview we're ever going to do because we are going to the race this weekend. We're going to Austria. We cannot wait. Please message us. Let us know if you're going. Let us know if you have any Austria tips more generally. We'd love to see anyone who's there. This is our first time going to Europe in the summer swing. We've only done the North American races before, so we are very, very excited. So um, I think you guys know how excited we are. Let's just do it. I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. So first, before we jump into the preview here, it's going to be Tiggy's birthday this weekend Mm -hmm. while we're away in Austria. So as a little fun, kind of a pre-birthday celebration, we went to RPM in New Jersey this past (laughs) weekend, a little expedition outside of Manhattan. And it was just the absolute most fun. I had done it once before, but it was Tiggy and Chessa's first time when Chessa first got out of the cart. Wait, this is RPM karting, just so people know. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we're right, not Chessa? in full transmission via single-seater vehicles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, we're racing sports cars in New Jersey. <laughs> and yeah, when Chessa took off her helmet and the little balaclava thing, she was on on another level. We were all shaking, like yeah. our hands. I mean, I did I know I was going to come last? Yeah, probably. Do I have it in me to do it again? <laughs> probably not. I have so much respect for for drivers. Like, they put us in this little room before and taught us how to, like, take the apex of a turn. And I was like, I don't need this. I'm good. Flash, like, flash forward to me not even knowing how to take the apex of a turn, braking while accelerating, while turning, and spinning <laughs> out every single time. Um, yeah, I don't have it in me. It was too much. I'm too soft. I am so sore. Luckily, okay, it's it's Monday. No, it's Tuesday now. And we did this on Saturday. I'm just getting over the hump of my forearms, my neck, my entire body from like turning and whatever tiny amount of G-force that was on us going through these like turns. Like 0.1. <laughs> yeah. My body like can't take it. <laughs> so funny too because the carts do go these, the, the, the ones that we were in, which obviously are super recreational, like not like the legit carts you would see on a European track – still can go up to 45 miles an hour and there's really no trading whatsoever. And you're kind of with random people in this race. They just, they put you in the cart. And so it, it actually is, it does feel very fast when you're basically on the ground going 40 miles an hour and having people like hate you. We all kind of accidentally crashed at different points. I, I T-boned Sarah so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I had a full, I was also really struggling with the braking situation. I had a full, spin because I would just <laughs> Tiggy's boyfriend if you did a full spin and couldn't get started again. They had to stop the entire race for him while he raised his hand and like <laughs> had to, him to tell him um, how to reverse. But Sarah won. Sarah's lap time was the fastest and Sarah- Tiggy was second fastest. She was very close behind. It was a close P1, P2 situation and then I was in a whole other world. <laughs> it was such a blast though. I will say I was a little nauseous and I generally kind of get car sick. I'm a little baby when it comes to being in cars sometimes, especially with New York City taxis who are like slamming on brakes and accelerating. They're, they really think fast. they're Formula One drivers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was a little nauseous. A word to the wise if you do get car sick, that's something to watch out for. And then definitely <laughs> but, don't do the sim right after, which was. Yes. Um, <laughs> I almost, I almost lost it on the sim. I was, <laughs> I was not doing it. And you well. were in the driver's seat, which in theory yeah. should make it better, but. <laughs> 
overall, karting is an incredible experience. It's very fun. Grab your friends and go do it if you can. Um, it'll just give you a newfound respect for F1 drivers. Truly. The amount of adrenaline that we felt from doing like two little eight-minute races in I went Jersey home and City. napped for four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on to our preview. We are going to the Red Bull ring. This is in Spielberg, which is in the region of Styria in the Austrian countryside. It's a pretty unique setting, about two hours from Vienna, an hour from a small city called Graz. So it's for sure not an urban setting. So many beautiful photos of the circuit with the rolling hills in the background. We've talked about having our Sound of Music moment, and it is finally here. (laughs) Um, And it's the Red Bull home race, which is super exciting. Even though Red Bull Racing is based out of the UK, Red Bull, the parent company, is Austrian. So aptly named the Red Bull Ring. And of course, Max has dominated this race for years. He also has several dedicated grandstands where everyone will be decked out in orange. So, And hopefully they don't bring flares this time. That's usually Zandvoort, but let's hope that <laughs> the orange stays away. From the Red, Red Bull, Bull Ring, Ring like posted on their Instagram, it was like do's and don'ts. And the first don't was like, do not bring flares. <laughs> <laughs> So characteristics of the Red Bull ring, it's 4.3 kilometers, very, very short. So it's 71 full laps for the race. There's only 10 turns, pretty simple track layout overall, but there are a lot of elevation changes, which is cool, which we also experienced in our RPM racing. So we're really (laughs) vibing with this. Um, The first few turns are up a really big hill and the drivers have compared it to a roller coaster ride. So that'll be fun to look out for. And there are three DRS zones. And so it's really packing a lot in for such a small circuit. Turn one will be really fun because, right, the drivers are going uphill from the start, and then it's basically a fully blind right-hand turn. And then something interesting here is that there are several off-camber turns. So that's hard to visualize, but it means that the track is sloped outward. So you're driving on a tilted surface that's tilting away from the way that you're turning. So that'll be something cool to think about as well. Yeah, no wonder it feels like a roller coaster with that. The lap record here is kind of fun. It's Carlos Sainz from 2020, which – feel like is not normally what we see. And one thing I'm really excited for, since it's such a short lap, it's really punishing on errors, especially in quality. So quality is normally very tight. And as we've talked about a lot, we've been seeing some really tight spreads in quality this season, getting out of Q1 and Q2. So it's probably going to be really exciting. And we basically get two qualities this weekend because it's a sprint race like last weekend. So under the new sprint format that's been implemented for this year, there's going to be only one practice for the whole weekend. It's on Friday, and then there's quality to set the grid for Sunday. And then Saturday, it's really its own standalone event where we have the sprint shootout, which is quality to set the grid for the sprint and then the sprint itself. So there is going to be a lot of solid racing this weekend. We're so excited. I We've... I don't think any of us have seen a sprint in person before, right? No, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. The sprint is on my birthday, so I'm going to be doing a little birthday sprint dance. Oh my gosh, should we get you a sprint tiara or something, or is that too much for you? You do you. I'll I'll wear whatever you purchase for me with I'll some. I'll see constraint. what I can source from the Austrian countryside. So for a little history and some background, we do not have any current Austrian F1 drivers, but Austria definitely has a very long history with F1. Uh, The one and only Toto Wolf is from Vienna, along with Franz Toast, the AlphaTauri principal, 
And of course, we cannot forget former world champion Nikki Lauda, who was born in Vienna, and he is the only Austrian to have won the Austrian Grand Prix. The first Austrian Grand Prix was held in 1964. It has moved locations several times and had sort of big hiatuses. But then Dietrich Mateschitz, the founder of Red Bull, which is an Austrian company, as we were saying, he bought the circuit in the 2000s and made a big redevelopment push. So the Red Bull ring held its first Grand Prix in 2014, and that is still where we are today. That we are. Okay. Oh, and if anyone's really interested in the history of Red Bull as a company, we did talk about that in last year's preview episode. It's very interesting. Okay, let's talk about last year's race. So first of all, right off the bat, there was a huge problem with the harassment and abuse of fans last year at the race. Really awful stories that we were seeing on the internet and Twitter of sexist, racist, homophobic harassment, groping, catcalling, people just generally being worried for their safety. F1 made a statement about it, and like as expected, it was pretty vague. They said that the track and the promoter needed to tighten security. Several drivers were asked about it. Max said after the race that he read some things that were shocking and that a, quote, normal human being wouldn't even act like this and suggested more security and maybe limits on how much alcohol is sold could help solve the problem. Um, As women, we are very interested to see what changes have been made for this year. We're hopeful and we'll, of course, keep you all posted on what the scene is like. And also GridClick, Females in Motorsport, a couple different organizations have started group chats for women who are going to be at the race, which we love. Such a good idea. We're definitely going to join. And we will, of course, keep you all posted. Feeling hopeful since it was such a big story last year that hopefully they've really felt forced to implement some changes, but we shall see. In terms of the racing, Charles won here last year. It was a really nice high point for him after a really bad rough patch leading up to the race. In classic Ferrari fashion, he managed to win, even though in the last few laps, his throttle pedal got stuck. So basically, he still had 20% throttle on through all the corners while he was trying to break. (laughs) He had Max only about a second and a half behind him. He was just trying to hang on. So that was definitely an exciting finish. Yeah, this was a fun race to watch. We then had Lewis, George, and Ocon with a great performance. It was also an amazing weekend for Mick with a P6 finish and a driver of the day win. That's, that was probably a highlight of the season, honestly. Like, I'm trying to think if there was another race that was as good. Um, but interestingly, there were a lot of issues with track limits, so definitely keep an eye out for that this year. And a random fun fact is that Austria is decently high above sea level, which can impact the engine settings teams use. So we'll see if there's any chatter about that going into the weekend. Okay, so let's talk about each of the different teams. Okay, we'll have to start with Red Bull. This makes the most sense. So Max feels pretty unstoppable here. It's his team's home race. He'll have a ton of fans. He'll have that dedicated grandstand or two. And he's consistently driven really well. He's fresh off notching Red Bull's 100th win in Canada. He's going to be ready, like, mentally he's in the space. Red Bull really leaned into the theme for Austria. They had Max and Checo wearing, like, the full Austrian outfits, visiting farms in the countryside this week. A lot of um, their sound of That was so well. funny, yeah. those outfits. When I saw that picture, I, like, choked on my water. I was like, what? Honestly. <laughs> so funny. Seeing them in their outfits made me want to get the outfits. Yes. So don't be surprised, girls, if I show up in the morning in our hotel with – the specific little outfit for us. <laughs> is, it, is it the same as Oktoberfest? What is it? The Lederhosen and the Dernal? I think it's definitely like a. I don't probably they might call it something different, but it looks kind of like that. 
Yeah, it was basically them in what looks like lederhosen under Red Bull polos on a farm, if you have not seen these photos. <laughs> like a tractor. <laughs> Catch for the girls in those outfits on our way to Austria. <laughs> to wrap up Red Bull, Checo had a tough race in Canada. He's actually had a few tough races back to back. He made a few comments about lacking pace, etc., It'll definitely be another high-pressure weekend, but it could be a show, a chance for him to show off, you know, to the Red Bull home crowd, Red Bull turf, that he still deserves his seat, but it does kind of feel make or break at this point. He's had a run of, like, two or three bad races, and the Red Bull pace in Canada definitely wasn't quite as runaway as some of the other teams, so this will be an interesting matchup. For Ferrari, are the vibes, shall we say, good, potentially? (laughs) Just used it. It's over. Uh, Yeah, sorry. They did. So in Canada, they made that risky call to stay out on mediums, which was very ominous for obvious reasons. When you only see Ferraris on different (laughs) tire strategies from everyone else, it always raises the question flag. But it actually worked out uh, to pull off a one-stop strategy. And Charles was able to beat Max here last year. So we shall see. Um, we got some DMs about the, I think there are some TikToks or I don't know if there's actual news going around, but Charles has followed Aston Martin on Instagram and he has only followed teams he has raced at or been affiliated with before. So it prompts the question. (laughs) I love deep internet conspiracy theories. People are so clever. (laughs) So people were asking us to talk about this, like how realistic would it actually be for Charles to move to Aston Martin? And I guess the question is, would he take Alonso's seat if Alonso retired or would Lance actually get fired by his father at some point (laughs) and lose the seat? I don't even want to entertain this because I feel like there's so many other things that could happen with other teams and so many other things before this would happen. I think the argument for it, at least from the Lance perspective, is the differential between Alonso and Lance is staggering. And yes, his dad owns the team, but at the end of the day, like they have a lot of investors, they have a lot of sponsors. At some point, maybe it becomes a business question of do we have the wrong person in the seat, even if he's the son of the boss. And I think we'll talk about I think I guess we can talk about it now because it's Carlos related, but Carlos also made some comments about he doesn't like going into a season, i.e. 2024, not knowing where he's going to race after that. And he made some comments maybe hinting that Ferrari wouldn't be it and he's open to other thoughts. And so I wonder if he and Charles are kind of, you know. Are we about to have the best silly season that's ever existed? It's already started. We have so much to talk about with the Danny stuff and like it's really – it's already – yeah, it's already starting. I can't wait. Speaking of silly season, someone had – I saw I think WTF1 posted it. Someone printed out Oscar's tweet of I will not be racing for Alpine and had him sign <laughs> it at one of the races. We oh. <laughs> That's so funny. Which is amazing. I know. I This feels like a stretch to me because for many reasons, but I think it might be even more – like I would put it at stretch level. It's more likely that – Charles takes Checo's seat at Red Bull, then Charles will do Aston Martin. I actually think it's more likely for Charles to go to Aston Martin than to take the Red Bull seat. Okay, what about – is it more likely for Charles to go to Aston Martin than Yuki to take Checo's seat? No, it's more likely for Yuki to take Checo's seat. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I think the only reason I say that is because I think Charles does not want to be the obvious like number two. I don't, if Max is still at Red Bull, I just don't think that that's the vibe he wants. So I could see him wanting to go to Aston Martin. But he'd still be a number compete. two. That's not, I don't think that's Alonso. a full given. I don't think that's a given. I think Alonso is incredible, but I do think it's more of a, it's a more of a toss up or a battle at least with Alonso and Charles than Charles going to Red Bull Imagine behind Max. They put them, they put them both in Aston Martin and then they're like, okay, first race of the season decides who's one, two, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sudden death. Right, let's wrap up some of the teams before we jump into news. Um, who wants to take Mercedes? I will, if, if I must. <laughs> um, so for Mercedes, Lewis did. He had a great race in Canada. Unfortunately, George definitely has to bounce back after that unforced error that led to his DNF. We still have no news on Lewis's contract. So I was wrong about that announcement coming hot off the good Canada result. No, why but- are they not listening to these predictions here? <laughs> They must listen to For the Girls. You know that meme with Toto showing his phone to Lewis and it's like, what are they watching? They're yeah. definitely watching For the Girls. <laughs> <laughs> they've, like, had really, they've had really good pace, so I'm excited to see them duke it out with Aston Martin this weekend. It'll be great. For Alpine, we'll get into this more in the news section, but hopefully it's a party over there. We've got Ryan Reynolds. We've got Pierre fresh off Paris Fashion Week. So now all we need are some solid points. Hopefully they'll have an improvement over Canada when Galsy was out in Q1, couldn't get into the points. But if their news this week and just general vibes are an indication, they'll have a good weekend in Austria. We have so many thoughts on this. We'll dive into this. Our special topic is latest headlines, and this is number one on the <laughs> list. <laughs> Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For McLaren, they didn't get points in Canada, but overall, it was a pretty good weekend. And we're really excited because they reportedly have a big big upgrade coming to Austria. It's going to be implemented over the course of several races, but the main event is going to be in Austria. And this is a big challenge because there's only one practice session with the sprint format this weekend, but they were able to pull it off in Baku with only one practice session. So we will see. 
And in terms of off track, they had a fun little foray into Major League Baseball after Canada going from, in my personal opinion, the fastest paced sport <laughs> in the world to the slowest paced sport <laughs> in the world. Justice for baseball, Sarah. Wow. No, I totally I know, agree it's, with it's, you. <laughs> it's funny because growing up, the, the only huge fan I've been of anything before F1 was I grew up in Boston, was just an absolutely diehard Red Sox fan. And now I don't get it. Like I can barely sit through a baseball game. No Fun fact, Sarah played on the on the men's or the men's, the boys little league team. She refused to play with just girls. <laughs> yes. I don't know what it was. I just didn't I softball just didn't really occur to me since this was back when I was so obsessed with the Red Sox. So I was obviously like, okay, I have to do little league. So I was the only girl in my little league team and I have one of those little trading cards that <laughs> It's someone's contact photo. One of my friend's contact photos of me in their phone is my little Little League card, trading card. So cute. And if you remember, Oscar in the rapid fire when we interviewed him, um, I think Tiggy asked him cricket or rugby, and he said hands down cricket, and he visited a big cricket event this week as well. So we will see, but very excited to see what they can do this weekend. Yeah, me too. For Alfa Romeo, there's a lot of – Botas news, but related to his, <laughs> his leave it at picture that. <laughs> that's circulating, we'll leave it there. But he's leaning into himself, and I love that for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did finally get a point with a P10 finish in Canada and was feeling encouraged and like the team is moving in the right direction. Joe, unfortunately, did not have the best race in Canada, but we're hoping for good vibes going forward. All the spotlight on Botas right now is just going to propel them to a good race. Yeah, there's kind of like two different personality picks because it's Botas's nature energy, and then Joe was in Paris Fashion Week with his Dior partnership. <laughs> Get you a team that can do both. Exactly. <laughs> For Alpha Tari, the big story here is again Nick DeVries. We had another tough weekend with him in Canada. He finished last of the cars that made that finished and he made an error trying to pass K Mag at one point, had sent both cars off the track. There has been rumors for a while that Danny Ricardo is being considered to replace him. And that was reposted by the official F1 account this week. That's a pretty legit thing for a rumor. So, okay, guys, what are the odds this happens? Is it a good idea? If not, Danny, who would we want in the seat? Do we think that they're gonna give like it was kind of like how Mick last year, every race were like, This is your last chance to make to prove yourself, like when is Nick just going to be off the ballot? Didn't Franz Toast make some comments this week about how he was kind of backing DeVries and defending him a bit? So maybe that's just covering for this media stuff and who really knows what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know. That to me, I'm like jumping a few steps forward, but that to me then like raises the question of Yuki going to Red Bull or the likelihood of that. Like would they really have two new drivers in a season and then who would replace Yuki if Danny replaced Nick? I don't know. It just seems like a lot of Tetris. Well, it's a good point. I almost think if Yuki goes to Red Bull, that would increase the chances for Danny because if they brought in someone like Liam Lawson or some talent from the Red Bull junior program, then they would probably want an older experienced mm-hmm. hand like Danny Ricardo because he's not a rookie by any stretch. He's a multiple time race winner for Red Bull. So bringing him in could be seen as kind of that authoritative figure who could help the younger driver. I personally think, I don't think Checo's getting replaced, at least not imminently. I think probably 
Yuki stays at Alpha Tauri, but I don't know why I do feel like it's really likely that Danny Rick ends up at Alpha Tauri. Yeah, this yeah. might be like the number one of the rumor mill that I think will will come to, to come to fruition. Yeah, I think Alpha Tauri, obviously in the Red Bull family, that probably makes it even more likely there's a big tie there with Danny being at Red Bull now as the number three driver. And AlphaTauri, I they have unfortunately this season become more of a back of the pack team than a middle pack team or a midfield team, but they do have a lot of potential. They are pouring a lot of investment into it, which we talked about kind of earlier this season. So I could definitely see it being likely if Danny wants to come back to Formula One. It definitely seems like the most likely seat. Yeah. All right, let's finish up our teams. Ha. So we're just waiting for them to put it all together on Sunday and come out with an absolutely mega race. Hulkenberg qualified P2 in Canada, started P5 with a grid penalty. But again, the issue is that they just do not have the race pace to keep up. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with all of the different events this weekend because I think they're going to be kind of like a quality team, less so of a wheel-to-wheel racing team. So all the different events this weekend will be interesting to play into that. For Aston Martin, they had an awesome race in Canada. They brought some really big upgrades and new side pods. And in another hilarious what in the world has happened to Alonso moment, he called Stroll, quote, outstanding and said that the, quote, sparks of Lance that are really impressive are coming through. Um, He said the biggest thing is working on his consistency and putting together clean weekends. And by his, we mean Stroll, not Alonso, because he's (laughs) already doing that. He already does that every single weekend. And the Aston Martin technical director, Dan Fallows, um, made some comments about how their big move into their new state-of-the-art factory has been a massive step forward. I personally kind of feel like the Alonzo win is imminent. We just need some type of shakeup to happen. But I feel like kind of the sprint on Saturday, who knows? There could be some opportunities this weekend. We shall see. So for Williams, Albon, he was the star of Canada. Unreal race, driver of the day, finishing P7. Unfortunately, Logan DNF'd. We are still waiting for his breakout moment after he's shown some serious pace, but that has unfortunately not translated to a standout result yet. So we're waiting. We still have faith, um, but good vibes from Albon and Williams heading into this weekend. So hot takes and predictions. Where are we at? After all this stroll discussion, I want a stroll top five. Ooh. Which I like every few weeks, I just randomly bring stroll back into the mix. But <laughs> I do think he has a ton of potential. And I have kind of been expecting him to be a bit closer to Alonzo than he is. So we'll see. I can maybe be proven wrong, but I would love to see um, him really kind of have at least a couple standout performances this year. That's a good one. I hope so. I think that would be that would be great. It's it's a bummer to see the the conversation around how big the differential is. He kind of needs to step up. For me, I know this is their home race, but I'm just gonna say someone other than Red Bull wins this race. Okay. So I don't know who. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to make anything too specific, but I am hoping that Red Bull does not win this. I'll get like we're going to be there. We just want like a crazy race in any capacity. Yeah. We just want it to be exciting. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. I think Alonso will be that winner. Um, wow. I think Max will be P2, and then I really want to see Russell P3. Where does this leave Checo and Lewis? I don't know. I don't want to think about it, but that's the 
hot take. That what a podium. Get. That would be an absolutely epic podium. Oh, my yeah, God. That would be fun. That would. The question is, how would Max ever come P2 unless he, no. like, crashed out <laughs> during quali and raced from P20 and, like, he could just only make it to P2? Like, I don't see how else he would be in P2. Well, that's why it's called hot takes, you know? You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> All right. So our special topic this week is latest headlines. There's so much going on. We have a lot to dive into. So number one on the list, the Alpine investment, a big new investment in Alpine by a group that includes Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney, and Michael B. Jordan. So Ryan Reynolds' investment company is called Maximum Effort Investments, which could have thought of a better name, but Such that's a name okay. Is so funny. <laughs> And Ryan and Rob are already involved in European sports. They acquired the struggling Welsh soccer club Wrexham and have turned it around in a real life Ted Lasso story. They have a Disney Plus reality TV kind of docu-series and they've done super well. They've just, I think, entered into like the fourth tier of European soccer, which is incredible. So that's awesome. The investment consortium has acquired a 24% stake, which puts the value of Alpine at around $900 million, which lots of thoughts there. We'll get into that. It seems pretty low, um, but it has generated a lot of media coverage in the U.S., including big articles and outlets like the New York Times and kind of all over the news. But the New York Times article in their dealbook section was titled, quote, deal for Formula One team reflects growing U.S. interest in the sport. So lots to discuss. <laughs> what do you guys think? Does it seem like a good investment? What are your thoughts on the whole? I think when you're in a when you're a celebrity and you're making an investment, you don't have to go on like fundamentals because like Ryan Reynolds when he was buying Rexham, was everyone like that's a great investment? No, but I think the star power that having people like Ryan Reynolds, Michael B. Jordan, et cetera, brings to the deal adds a whole nother layer. So I think if they can spin a good story out of this, get involved in the right way. Um, align properly with the U.S. fans, et cetera, et cetera. I think it could be really cool to see what they do. Yeah, Chessa and Tiggy's finance backgrounds are going to show here. So Tiggy, I guess the main <laughs> question, if this was brought to you when you were in investment banking <laughs> as a potential deal, what would you say? That's a great question. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. So it seems obvious to me what Renault and Alpine get out of it. Like the thinking behind rebranding to Alpine from Renault was kind of to have more synergies, connections with its sports car business. Renault definitely had some scandals and, you know, financial allegations with its CEO, I think back in 2019. And just a big part outside of just F1 and their F1 business is Alpine is launching a new electric sports car model in 2026, and it expects the U.S. to be its biggest market. And so all of those things amazing to have huge names behind it. The marketing genius of these people is pretty insane. And I yeah. think the consensus of what they've done with Wrexham seems to be nothing short of amazing. Like people really, really back what they've done there. So it seems obvious to me what that side gets out of it. I think the question is more, what do Ryan Reynolds and Michael B. Jordan and the whole consortium and other side of it get out of it? I think they must really heavily believe in the trajectory of F1 in the U.S. and in F1 generally. So I think that's one thing. Like we were talking about, the $900 million seems to me like an incredibly low valuation for the team. So I, they must have gotten a good deal. Sarah, you had a funny thing where you were like, that's the size of like a mid-sized cybersecurity company. 
<laughs> it's just funny thinking of kind of the the F1 teams are of course these massive operations but in terms of investments they're not necessarily kind of they're not um high margin businesses like something like software is it's super expensive to run there's all these issues with teams not being able to re, uh, kind of meet their potential because of budget issues I guess maybe less so under the, in the cost cap era but it's such an expensive operation to run like it's millions of dollars to fix the car every single time it crashes so yeah. it's it's a really interesting concept as an investment yeah I think it's in the past f1 investments have kind of been known to be sort of a money pit for all of those reasons but I wonder if that's changing at all with the scale that we're at now and like the marketing and everything that fans are bringing in. I think the the thing that Alpine really does have going for it is it is a strong brand. It has two amazing drivers who are French. They finished fourth last year in constructors, which I feel like we often forget because we're always talking about like the top three teams, but they, they do have a lot going for them. And, you know, these investors have really great track records in sports. The other two investors, I think, Otro Capital and Redbird, they've both invested like in the Cowboys, the Browns, Red Sox. I think they bought like the Milan soccer team. Yeah, like, some last Premier League stuff too. Yeah. yeah. So they've got a huge track record. I feel like they know what they're doing. And my kind of main interest here too, it's interesting how now in the US media, kind of the hook for anything F1 news related is. X event represents growing U.S. interest in Formula One. It really Next is celebrity gets yeah, involved. Yeah, it, it really is interesting that that's kind of the angle and has been for years. And so I think it just goes to show kind of that even for the amount that F1 has expanded in the U.S., it's still very much seen as kind of a growing market that maybe even is only at the early stages. I mean, F1 to the moon, maybe F1 going to be. <laughs> Like the dominant U.S. sport in 20 years. We'll see. I I back that. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there are definitely people who don't like this news and this headline. Oh, more U.S. involvement in the sport. Hollywood's coming into F1. It's all just a publicity stunt. Like, I think there are definitely those voices and those feelings. But I don't know. Hollywood's already in the sport. America is a huge market. Like, I think it makes sense. Other news, the Goodwood Festival. Mick is going to drive his dad's car at the Goodwood Festival of Speed in England in July. This is his dad's 2011 Mercedes, the W02. He hasn't been to Goodwood before. He's really excited. He said there's going to be a lot of emotions for him. Yuki is going to be joining Vettel and Ricardo at the Nürburgring to race some famous cars in September. Yuki's going to be driving the Honda NSX GT3 Evo, which is just a GT3 winning car. And Yuki, in an amazingly classic Yuki quote, said he's excited because he's only driven Nürburgring in the Gran Turismo video game before. So he's excited to see it <laughs> in real life. That's an incredible comment. I love that for him. <laughs> no shame. Um, so in some interesting news, high tech, which is already quite involved in motorsport, said they have officially applied to be a 2026 F1 team. So the Mazepin family was involved in high tech for a while since Nikita drove for them and his father's company, Yurikali, was an investor. So high tech drives in both F2 and F3 and some Red Bull juniors have driven for them. According to the race, the application fee alone is 300000 which 
doesn't include the resources that need to be put into launching a serious bid in the first place. And so this begs the question of where is Andretti with this news? So Andretti is still in the mix. Reporting from the race called Andretti's Cadillac Partnership, the, quote, highest profile contender. The race also noted that it's possible that, quote, all applications could be rejected and they really face an uphill battle. So it's unclear, but I think it's interesting that more teams are kind of piling on now. I feel like it's got to be one or the other, though. They'll never take two. And yeah, Andretti does seem like the most compelling option at the moment. Yeah, there's multiple applications right now. I would be so sad for Andretti if someone gets oh my in their gosh. form before Last they do. minute swoop in. I feel like they have to get the number one, even just, I think it's a great proposition. It's a family that's so successful in American motorsport, but even just the amount they want it has to count for something. <laughs> <laughs> Another news item, the FIA closed a cost cap loophole that some bigger teams seem to have exploited. The cost cap is back in the news. According to reporting by Motorsport, the FIA addressed an issue where teams could kind of skirt around the cost cap a bit by having staff work in separate technical divisions of the companies that are aimed at other business ventures. So this happens at some of these um, high-profile teams like Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren, they have separate technical divisions that kind of work on other projects. So, for example, the technical divisions could work on road cars, sailboats for America's Cup, a lot of different technologies. And according to Motorsport, the FIA, quote, made clear to teams that they will not be allowed to transfer any intellectual property from projects running outside of their F1 operations, close quote, without cost cap implications. So, Really interesting because I could totally imagine teams doing this, like putting someone, totally. Aston Martin, having people in, in the road car division or Alpine and saying, oh, no, they're working on our sports cars and having it all being applied to F1. <laughs> yeah, there. I think news broke this morning that the FIA, I think, is actually interviewing people at these teams to actually check. Wow. And- I was going to say, because how can you keep track of it? Like, it's great in theory, but hard to implement. Yeah, I think FIA is going deep on this. They're going like full FBI, CIA, integrating themselves (laughs) into the organization. (laughs) In the last piece of news on the sustainability front, DHL, the official logistics and transport partner of F1, announced that it's going to be using a truck fleet fully powered by biofuel. This is in effect for 18 trucks for all the European races this summer and will reduce emissions supposedly by 60%. This is big. We talk all the time about how logistics is such a huge footprint in F1. And we know Mercedes has done a lot with biofuels over the summer, this past summer and this upcoming summer. So happy to see DHL getting in the mix. Very exciting. And with that, we're going to wrap up. We'll catch you all in Austria. Again, if you guys are going to be there, let us know. If you have any ideas for things that you want to see while we're in Austria, let us know. We cannot wait. 